received the electricity bill for January, which was a thousand pounds. So our attempts at economy have somehow failed. There's a lot of people here now, but I'm sorry. Poor house. December bill was nine hundred. And we weren't on an economy <laughs> campaign last year. My electric blanket, isn't it? If everybody had an electric blanket, the bill would be reduced by about 400,000 spots. Well, in December, I was, I wasn't particularly you know, because you have all these guests coming and it's Christmas time, so I wasn't, you know, one just wanted to make people comfortable. <coughs> and this is just for your reference, as a retreat situation during the January when it's not even cold. There's <laughs> been quite a balmy and spring-like January. <coughs> Well, during a cold, I mean, a cold winter, then you use a lot of, uh, you have to use more electricity, more heat. So one expects, like January, to be, you know, the most expensive mm. when it's really cold January. That uh, this January wasn't very cold. <laughs> that was extremely cold. Well, we have a whole, you know, you can keep track of it throughout the year. I mean, we're trying to, what I'm trying to do, not be cheap, but just to bring people's attention. Uh, to be, because people tend to, you know, over, you know, they had electric kettles, they had electric heaters, they had electric this, electric that, so that they, then the people are all coming from a society where these are just ordinary facts of life. And I was trying to bring it down to more basics. Because <coughs> last winter we had, we were, we we were uh, we didn't have enough money to pay for everything. <coughs> had to borrow money to pay for the bills in the winter time. That's why we had to have that 
uh, try to raise funds and kind of standing orders cover. But the lay people have been incredibly generous this winter <coughs> by sending donations for the... We just didn't know last year, we didn't, didn't tell them. So that, that January, February, hardly anybody sent any money. So, and it was just a monastic retreat. And then that was the most expensive time of the year found ourselves in an embarrassing position <coughs> and there's no uh, it's just uh, you know one can make it into a big problem it's really a, that much of a problem but uh, like Sajodika was saying to, just to inform you so that you if we'd ever say anything, then people think, well, everything's all right, and pretty soon one's just, you know, doesn't, maybe just drifts back into the old habits. Uh, this isn't, it isn't a, you know, uh, blaming anyone, but just uh, bringing to your attention so you know what, what's happening and the costs. The problem with uh, with uh, institutions, isn't it, is that uh, the members become institutionalized. Everything's laid on for you, so you tend to take it for granted. But so that, you know, in, as samanas, we are, uh, we don't want to develop that kind of mentality where you, where you just take it for granted <coughs> and don't, and, and assume, make assumptions Like Anubhama uh, was saying about Kariniko's mother going to Thailand, and she, when I took a, a group to Thailand in uh, what was it, 1981 or something, um, it was a disaster. It took all about 25 English people, and they absolutely went bonkers, <laughs> and uh, it was a nightmare <coughs> because <coughs> they just couldn't cope with the culture shock and the and the different change of style of living and and the insects and this and that they just went no absolutely went hysterical and and uh, were uh, you know just uh, couldn't couldn't relate to it, to living like that in Buddhist monastery <coughs> in northeast Thailand but Kruniko's mother was uh, seemed to really love it and uh, sleeping on a grass mat on the floor and and all the things that they, uh, didn't seem to upset her. And then uh, Rama was saying that she was uh, from poor family where they, they didn't have, uh, you know, she was brought up in rather harsh conditions and, and where they, they didn't expect very much. So that when she went to Thailand, she didn't, she didn't panic. But if you're brought up in one of these uh, kind of... Uh, uh, modern uh, 
situations where you, you have expectation, where so your whole life you've had electricity, you've had refrigeration, fires, everything kind of there, even if you've been fairly poor, or still there's a, there's a fairly high standard that even the poorest people expect now in this country. So, so then we bring that into our lives as samanas. If you, <coughs> I was brought up in that kind of a family where, in America, where you, you just took it for granted that these things were just normal living. Living in Thailand then for 10 years where you, you had no electricity and had to get water from the well and bathe, uh, very primitive bathing facilities <coughs> and so forth, it, then it could reflect the, this uh, this attachment and uh, that one had to say a, a certain standard of luxury that was taken for granted in the United States. Uh, and so I was able to appreciate just living in a very primitive way. Fortunately, Thailand is a centrally heated country all year round uh, by the sun. Solar, solar power has been developed very highly there. And uh, in fact, it gets it's too sometimes in hot season it you wish you could turn it down a bit <laughs> in fact they now the luxury for Thais is to have air conditioning they have uh, that's the that's the sign of uh, success and the middle class of Bangkok will all have air conditioned rooms now in their homes air conditioned shopping centers But they, you know, wherever you are, there's, there's, uh, there are always advantages and disadvantages to the climate. You know, I've never seen a perfect climate. Uh, when I lived in Hawaii, then oh, that's a paradise. And then people were always complaining about how everything got moldy, stank. And it was so damp there, and everything and hot, and it. Everything gets mold on it and it starts stinking. Dreadful stench of the tropics. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so there's, there's uh, um, you know, what, whatever, whatever place on this planet we happen to go to, I mean, some places are maybe we like better or more comfortable than others, but there's always a certain amount of discomfort, <coughs> physical discomfort, we have to expect, take for granted as part of our human experience. That's why with, with uh, England, you know, I've often, uh, because people complain all the time, England has such a, a bad image, it has a horrible climate, but I personally don't find it such a, I don't find that in my living here uh, really an unpleasant physical experience. Uh, it's a relatively mild climate, actually. It's, uh, if you've lived in uh, <coughs> New England or places with really harsh winters, and the worst winters here are, are nothing compared to what you get in Massachusetts, an ordinary winter. I mean, the, the problems that people have here in this country about the weather relatively minor compared to other places I've lived in. Uh, so, I mean, in, in comparison, I mean, you, if you compare, you know, a holiday in at a perfect time of the year in 
in uh, Tahiti with the whole with the winter time of of Northumberland, you're going to come out with negative picture of Northumberland. <laughs> but uh, in the long run, if you you know if you if you don't make problems about things, then one one adjusts. One has an adaptability. Like I didn't, I, I didn't like to wear a lot of clothes when I first came to England. It was just the thin robes of a monk, and they had to pile on jumpers and long underwear and socks and all this. And I thought it was really, I didn't like it at all. It seemed so clumsy to have to be kind of stuffed with all these, these clothes, and and then over the years, I've gotten to really like wearing all these clothes. When it comes to it, it's really nice to have clothes on your body and to uh, and to have a cool climate where where you can have wear clothes on your body and and not and feel comfortable. And so in Thailand, you you don't you can't wear clothes on your body. You you want the thinnest. Uh, coolest kind of materials there because uh, it's so hot and you're sweating all the time. You're sweating all the time. Where here you you don't sweat very much, and so you can wear nice warm jumpers and clothes. And, and once you get used to it, it's perfectly all right. It's, it's very comfortable, very very pleasant for for me. But if you're if you're used to living in a tropical country where you don't have to wear very much, then you come here, then you can, because of that, you you might not like it at first. But this is where if you, because of our ability to adapt, if you if you get over the, the kind of habitual prejudices and reactions you have to things, then you find also they have their good side. Pleasant side. This is like when we're talking about reflection, what it does. It, 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 you're not just coming from a biased position anymore. Because some kind of thing inculcated in you that I don't like that and I don't like that. And so that you, if you're is like Pavlovian dog, isn't it? You just, you're conditioned when that thing comes, I don't like that. Uh, but if you reflect, then your mind is is looking at it for what it is. It's receptive to the way things are. And even their unpleasant side isn't, it, it isn't really all that unpleasant if, you're, if you don't have a prejudice already against it. And if you're already biased, then, then even something quite all right, if you, if you have a, a, a bias against it, you, you, you immediately just attack it with, with your prejudice, which is, um, you know, the blindness of attachment. So that this is what humans do, isn't it? We very form strong opinions and then we, and then we uh, project them onto situations where maybe they, those opinions seem totally wrong <coughs> under under uh, the conditions we're in. Maybe those opinions just don't apply to the situation we're in. And this is where reflective mind can see that. A conditioned mind can't see it. It just, it just reacts out of habit.
And this time is really an interesting time to be alive because I think everything, all kind of new opinions are being challenged by people now. I mean, people aren't so willing to just accept the status quo and the establishment doctrines and the, and the habits of a, of a culture and, and just accept it unquestionably. And now one feels a much more uh, interest in finding out <coughs> and opening up to things that before were considered bad or, or were just blind spots of prejudice. And so that this is, this is where the mind is, you know, this is what, what a reflective mind can do. You, then you have a, see, if you have a strong reaction against something or somebody, just a kind of, it's a, it's a conditioned re- reaction. Uh, that, and so you can watch that, you can, you can uh, observe the conditioned reaction to, to a situation or a person or whatever that, that you feel, uh, that, you, that that you're reacting to, and that's what reflection is. To take sides, that's what, that's what you know, I can see, we're wanting the tendency to try to convince people, convert people to take sides, and to, to, you know, it's, that's what, um, politics is about, isn't it? And a lot of religion is to try to But the Buddha path is is, is not is not a, uh, for taking sides but observing that whole tendency to take sides to go from one extreme to the other so you, you, you can witness that in yourself how much we, you know inclined to to what we're used to or our own particular positions and inclined to people that agree with that and feel very uh, negative to those who, who don't agree and the reflection is to be able to see that whole process because uh, maybe the other side is wrong maybe it is deluded and stupid uh, too but I mean it's but but for us just to act from a, from a habit makes us uh, also deluded and stupid. So it's the stupid attacking the stupid. And that just leads to stupidity, confusion, misery. This is the... the uh, I think, you know, to me, this is the most important uh, thing to develop in, as a human being. This ability to contemplate, reflect on life, because this is what we have and what we have to bear with for a lifetime. And uh, you know, it's it's uh, something that that we can do, and then also frees us from all the conditions uh, that we bind ourselves to and cause us to suffer, cause our suffering.
Now, when I was walking around the field this morning, I was thinking, I've over the years I've developed a tremendous devotion to the Buddha, and uh, this is a very heartfelt thing. <coughs> um, just uh, the word Buddha and the whole, the whole, that whole kind of symbolism and convention uh, is something that that uh, I that brings out something very beautiful in my mind. Uh, a, a real devotion and gratitude, really good feeling from the heart. And then, uh, but say when 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 I go to Christian church or when I'm home with my my family in California, and they're on the Christian, talking about the Christian things, I don't feel the same sense of devotion arising. Uh, I don't feel uh, the, the, their way of talking and their way of, of, uh, of thinking doesn't, doesn't uh, have the same effect on my mind and my heart. But I can reflect on it. It's not that I, you know, not, not to, to get attached to Buddhism or to the feelings or, or think that because these are, these bring such uh, beautiful feelings into my mind that, that somehow it, the other isn't, isn't any good and it's not forming any judgments against Christianity or other religions but just being able to reflect on the result of living as a Buddhist monk and developing the teachings of the Buddha is the result is a, a tremendous respect, gratitude, uh, love, appreciation for the Buddhist convention. So the reflection is, is, is a part of it. It's not, it's not uh, uh, taking sides with Buddhism against other religions, is it? And yet, it's, it's, uh, it's, not, uh, it's not being kind of very idealistic, saying, oh, they're all the same, and Buddhism just is just uh, Christianity, just the same, and we should love them all equally, and they're all just as good, and being very high-minded about on the intellectual plane, uh, you know, that's, that's, uh, that, that might be very, uh, very idealistic, <coughs> but as a reflection of actual feeling from the heart, one feels gratitude to the particular teacher or to the convention, that has really helped one. And the reflection isn't, isn't a grasping, but an understanding of that. Which doesn't mean, which has nothing to say against any other teachers or, or religions or whatever. It's not, it's not, it, because if I start grasping that and say, well, my teacher is the best teacher and my religion is the best one and all the others are, if I'm semi-tolerant, well, they're all, all right, but mine's the best. <laughs> and that's the sign of grasping, isn't it? Suddenly, saying what I have is better than everyone else. Uh, in, in a kind of absolute way, as if it were, you know, absolutely better in every way than Christianity. But the, but I don't, if, if but that is, that, that's a, only a, a thought in the mind, isn't it? If I think Buddhism is better in every way, absolutely better in every way than Christianity, that's a, that's a, a, a condition of my mind. That's not the feeling of gratitude in the heart, that's just a, a grasping of, an, of, a, of a silly idea. 
So, so that you can see that. The reflection is to see that, how it works. So you, you, can, you can understand what, why pe- where people are coming from, what they, why they do the things they do, why, why you feel the way you feel or act the way you act. You can understand it. And through that understanding, then you can, your, your ability to adapt in, with wisdom and mindfulness is possible, rather than just a helpless victim of your habits and conditioning. If you don't do this, then you become just a helpless victim. You're a victim of life. Life's victim, because you've been conditioned and programmed into a certain way, and you just, you just, you know, the buttons are pushed, and then you just go through, the, you salivate when the bell rings and, and do this and do that according to habit and reaction and blindness. But this way you're, you're freeing yourself from that kind of slavery and, uh, and that blindness, narrowness of vision. With interfaith, uh, there's a lot of interfaith uh, meetings and, and uh, interests of, in this country it's tremendously tolerant on the religious uh, uh, religiously tolerant society it's amazing how totally tolerant this country is to all religions so it's, it's very nice to be a Buddhist in this country it's not, you're not hassled you're not looked down on you're not uh, you know, there's the occasional jeering and that that one just has to expect but Generally speaking, from the government, from the uh, civil service, from all the the, uh, the structure, and even the established uh, church, CFE, we we can only say we've been treated very fairly. I can't I can't say I have no reason to think that I've been treated unfairly in the twelve years I've lived here. There's absolutely no grounds for such a thought. And so the interfaith movement sometimes tends to be based on this ideal of, of being tolerant. And so you get kind of superficial smiling and yes, we're very interested in, in all other religions and they're all good. And then, and then you, you go to a meeting and they'll all read the most inspiring <coughs> passages from their... Remember those, those meetings down at St. James Church in Piccadilly where they... You know, you, you, every, you know, you get the Zoroastrian and the Baha'i and the Hindu and the Buddhist and the Catholic and the Protestant and the Jew and then they'd all go read the most inspiring passages from their scriptures. By the time the evening was over you'd feel like you'd been drinking maple syrup all evening. <laughs> or just swallowed a bottle of honey. <laughs> Come out all sticky and gooey. <laughs> so you, you know, nobody's going to read the, 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 the less inspired passages on in an interfaith meeting, are they? About, you know, only we are right and all the others. <laughs> on an interfaith meeting, you put on the smiling face and the, and the totally tolerant attitudes and, and get the right quotes from the, from the scriptures. And you get this uh, sticky, syrupy, interfaith meeting. Well, we've been to a few of those you don't want to go to anymore. Unless you, you're having a, uh, what is it, a sugar uh, 
shortage. <laughs> but also, I mean, it's it's a but that's that's better than not having anything, isn't it? Or being really, or in having meetings to 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 uh, persecute other religions. I mean, as 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 sweet and therapy as that is, at least it's 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 ten it's it's good-hearted and trying to to bring good-heartedness into all religious people's minds. But to get it to a more profound level, then it takes each one of us to really understand our own form and to develop, say, beyond just the grasping of it or the the, uh, blind adherence to particular religious form. But it doesn't mean that we we go around trying to be eclectic and have Hindu bhajans and Christian hymns and the whole lot thrown in, a kind of eclectic mishmash, potpourri of of all religious ceremonies uh, mixed in one big pot. But to really learn your... to get to the point of this awareness and, and enlightened understanding then your ability to to appreciate other religious forms is not coming from let's from a, from just a, a kind of sarmy desire to be tolerant and nice for an evening. It's 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 much more you 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 have much more profound uh, understanding of religious symbols, religious practice. If you really understand your own, what you're doing. <coughs> So this life doesn't make you more, even though I, my, my gratitude, my love from the heart is, is toward the Buddha as a symbol, as a, as a convention and that, doesn't mean that, uh, that I don't see, uh, uh, that I think this is, this is the only way that you can do it. Or if I do think that, then I see that as a thought in my mind rather than, than uh, uh, an absolute position to take. Because you want to keep open, open to things and sensitive to them and, and not be just taken in with, 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 with grand views and not be able to see what's wrong with something. Like sometimes one can be so idealistic and so high-minded that all you want to see is that they're all good and they're all wonderful and and everything is sweetness and light all the time. And, 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 and anybody says anything bad about anything, you go, oh, we can't, that's not nice, it's not tolerant, religious prejudices are just unthinkable, blah, 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 blah. There's, there's that tendency to want to just, just believe that everything is sweetness and light on all religions, for all religions, and they're all equal. And that's one view. Then the other, I'll say the opposite to that is ours ours is right and all the others are wrong. And then there's all kinds of shades between those two extremes of attachments. And the mind that can reflect on that, how the mind will, how one can attach to maybe semi-tolerant, totally tolerant, idealistic, or totally... uh, uh, narrow-minded attachment to one convention and regarding all the others as wrong 
uh, one one can reflect on that, and through that reflection you see the attack the the dunha ubadana bawa, and you let go. You can let go of that. We don't. Not up to me to decide whether any religion is absolutely right or wrong. Under all, in in every situation, is it? That's fortunately none of my business, and impossible for me to, as an individual human being, to make absolute judgments about the conventions of religion. That I'm relieved I, that I don't have to do that. That I'm not expected to know all about everything, all religious conventions, and to be able to pass judgment on them, and their rightness or wrongness. But the, so that this, is, this, is, this isn't any of my business, and it's none of your business either. But we, can, we, but we can reflect on the way things are, and, and learn about life as we're experiencing it, rather than life as we, uh, from, a, from a bias or a prejudice we have, uh, and, and the grasping that comes from that.